0: Jesus, we know that there are many distractions in this world. Things that cause us to forget what's truly important. So we pray that you would help us to see with your eyes the gifts and grace that you've given us in each other. And ask that you would help us to live into the purposes you've given. For we ask it in your name. Amen. Thanks, Travis. I spent a lot of time recently thinking about friends how God calls us his friend, and how we are friends of God. And uh, I I kept going back to 2 Corinthians 5.17, which says that if anyone is in Christ, that person is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And it left me wondering for myself and for all of us, how well are we experiencing the new life that Jesus has given When I first surrendered my life to Christ uh, more than 40 years ago, I'll tell you, it was one of those, you know, light switch on kind of things. I mean, everything became new overnight, literally. Suddenly, the scriptures were alive and they burst with life and were speaking to me. Suddenly, I wanted to gather with other people in the church because there was so much energy and life in that. And all of a sudden, I carried the conviction that God, Jesus, was king and had authority over my life. And I began to see all of life through the lens of my Lord's authority. But as the years turned into decades, I, I, I realized I began to experience times where the life didn't seem always so new. I began to feel a little stale from time to time. But you know, Psalm 92 tells us that the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. No matter where you are in your walk of faith today, How fresh and green do you feel? How well are you experiencing the newness of life in Christ? I can tell you that, um, by God's grace, this new life he offers never gets old, and there are things that we can do to keep ourselves being fresh and green, no matter how old or young we may be. In the same way that plants need things like sunshine and water for them to be able to grow and bear fruit, so too there are, are things we need as spiritual friends. For our growth in Christ. And I want to focus on one of those things that I think is found in uh, Colossians 3.16. Background of that text is just prior to this verse, Paul has reminded the Colossians that those who put their trust in Christ, in his perfect life, his sacrificial death, his victorious resurrection, those who put their trust that Christ has paid the penalty for their sin, those who do that receive his life. And it's his life that then flows into and through them. So, Colossians 3.16, because of this new life that you have in Christ, Paul says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, giving with thankfulness in your heart to God. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, as you teach and admonish one another. There's so, so very much in this one little verse right here. See, teaching and admonishing from God's Word is is not reserved for only folks that like pastors or teachers or prophets or something like that. It's not reserved for a a select few. Scripture's clear. All of us are to have the Word of Christ dwelling in us richly, that we might teach and admonish one another. You know, our Lord's teaching is central to our lives, right? Jesus said he wants his Word to be abiding in us— He told us in John 16 that his Holy Spirit is going to remind us of everything he has said to us. Is that important? Paul to the Romans said that he was looking forward to being with them so that they could be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. He told the Ephesians that they should let nothing unwholesome come from their mouths, but only a word that is good to build somebody else up according to their specific need. You see, this is more. This thing we're talking about is more than just posting nice Bible verses on our social media platforms. As a member of the body of the Christ, we are in relationships with other people, and some of those relationships are expected to be deep enough that we can know what that other person needs to be able to grow in faith. When we teach it, admonish one another. With God's word, we're helping others weave his truth into the fabric of our daily lives. So like, like a plant that lacks sunshine or um, water, when we lack spiritual friendships, we're going to find that our spiritual growth is limited, that our fruit is somewhat stunted. Or said another way, we're going to find that this new life in Jesus Christ is beginning to feel a little stale, a little old. I wonder, who knows you? Who knows you really well? Who knows the things that you're afraid of? Who knows what what you are hiding from other people that you don't want anybody else to know? Who knows those things that are the sin that so easily entangles you, as it says in the book of, of Hebrews? If you have someone like this in your life, Does this person help you see your life and help you see these inner realities through the lens of Scripture so that you can integrate or you can weave these truths into your life and your day? We know that to teach someone is to inform them and to provide information that they didn't have. To admonish someone is to correct and to show them from Scripture what God intends them to be doing so that they might lovingly be encouraged to follow God's design. When the word of Christ dwells in us and we share it with someone else, and the word of Christ dwells in them and they share it with us, we grow spiritually. We all have friends. But I think that this idea of a spiritual friendship might be a little bit different than what our cultural expectation for a friendship really is. See, I tend to see friendships and friends along a spectrum. Okay, On one side of the spectrum, there would be something I might call functional friendships, or or, um, uh, transactional friendships. It's in these kind of friendships that we meet to get something that we need from them. So through various activities, through conversations, through things that we share, we tend to try to take the edge off of our loneliness. We try to remove boredom from our life. We try to get something that we need with this individual. The conversations that we have are often centered on the external what's going on around us. The facts of our life. This is where my body hurts. Here's what's going on in the weather down in Florida. Here's this, here's that. And you know, it's not bad. Those kind of friendships are good. Nothing wrong with them. But you've got the functional friendships on this side of the spectrum. Then way over here, you've got your formative or formational friendships. Over here, these friends are really interested in helping us grow up in faith to recognize how God is in all things and helping us to to grow into all things with Christ. In the formative relationship, the formative friendship, uh, the conversation includes facts and things that are going on around us, but it always tips into the interior realm as well. What is going on in our souls? What is the internal response we have to the facts that we experience? I'm sick. Well, how are you responding to that? I failed a test. How are you responding to that? Where are you trusting God in this? How is this enveloping idea of God's presence changing the way that you're approaching things in this fallen world? So in these conversations, we seek to process these experiences in light of the Scriptures and then align ourselves with what the Scriptures say. Now, truth be told, of course, very few relationships are only functional, or only formative. Most, if not all, relationships fall somewhere between these two extremes in this spectrum. And oftentimes they flow back and forth, don't they? You know, they're a little bit more this way, they're a little bit more that way. But it's been my experience in our culture that the strong gravitational pull in all friendships is toward the functional, in getting something done, in getting what I need. I can't tell you the number of times I have seen or heard about friends who get together or a small group that gets together, and they are there to become a formative group. They want to help people grasp Jesus Christ, to experience his newness in their life. And they get together, and six, eight, twelve weeks later, the conversations aren't about them processing God's Word in their life and engaging with it. It's more about I'm going in for surgery, and I've got this need, and my mom's doing this, and I don't know about that, and my job, it's about the external facts and not about how we're processing them before the Lord. You know, what's stunning to me is what we saying earlier today, that formational friendships are what God has given us in Christ. I mean, the very fact that God uses the word friend to describe the kind of relationship he wants to have with us, that's amazing. Travis mentioned this verse, uh, he said it was James, it's actually John. John 15, 15. "Uh, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything I've heard from my Father, I've made known to you. Jesus was taking God's word and teaching it admonishing with all wisdom. Now, we're not Jesus. You get that. But Jesus expects us to do for one another what he was doing for them. And we can do that. So let's go a little deeper into better understanding spiritual friendships. I want to look at five different elements of a friendship and, and, and show how it pushes more toward the formative side and not just the functional side of that spectrum. So the starting point comes with no surprise. It starts with love. We have love for one another. you got to do that, right? But there's a little bit of a different twist from what might be expected in the culture in which we live. So in our culture, when you love someone, you, you see people with face-to-face. They're looking into each other's eyes and they're looking and saying, What do you need? How can I meet that need? How can I sacrifice to help you? And this is a good and beautiful thing. We need these kind of this kind of love. But in a spiritual friendship, it's not so much that these friends are looking face-to-face. They're more standing side-by-side, and they're looking at the same destination. They're looking at the same horizon. They're looking at the direction of Christ and where they're going. And so their question is not so much, what do you need? How can I serve you in that way? They turn it around. They say, what do you need in order to be able to grow more fully into the experience of what Christ has given you? And how can I serve you to get that? It's a little bit of a different thing, but it's the same kind of love. Because spiritual friends are on a journey together. They are pilgrims, not vacationers. A vacationer, think about it, a vacationer is someone who goes to a specific destination and then camps out there for a while and gets as much pleasure as they can out of that environment, right? Nothing wrong with that. That's good stuff. But a pilgrim is one who passes through that place and does not allow himself or herself to get too entangled with the stuff there, because they know that they're going to a different thing. Their calling is bigger than that one moment. They have a larger goal in mind. So spiritual friends look for ways that can help one another love God more fully and live more faithfully. They don't, just want, you for your, they don't, they don't want you to experience wholeness only. They also want you to know holiness. So for spiritual friends, love is standing side by side as you look toward the same horizon. But love is just the first element of this. The next element would be the element of honesty. And again, whenever we think about honesty, we always think about being honest with the people around us. But I want to take it one step deeper, something we don't often think about. And I think spiritual friendships require that we begin by being honest with ourselves. What's the real reason behind my fear? What's my core motivation for doing what I do? Why do I hide these things from other people? Why don't I want to tell them the full story? See, we are experts in hiding the truth from ourselves. And honesty in spiritual friendships requires that we begin by being honest with us. And that kind of honesty, friends, it's hard. I get it, man. I've been there. I am there. It requires us to be vulnerable with somebody else. You know, if I share something about me to you, You might use it to hurt me. And then the shame comes out, and everybody knows, and it's... ah. But Jesus has taken care of that. In Colossians 3, earlier in that same chapter, Paul tells us that in the kingdom of God, because of Jesus Christ, God has broken down all the things, all the barriers, all the segmentation boxes that we put people in. He said, now, here, there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. No, here in the kingdom of God, it's just Christ is all and is in all. So he could very easily have written the same thing in these words. He said, here, in the kingdom of God, in the body of Christ... There is no one person who's better than another, no one person who's worse than another, a worse sinner, more selfish than somebody else. No. Because here, Christ is all. is in all. So we're the same. We're not in different camps. We're in the same box. We are, we're all messed up. You know, and we all need help. And so I can share with you the stuff that's going on inside of me, and you can share with me, and we can be vulnerable with each other. Because we've all received God's grace in Jesus. It's the reason Paul told the Corinthians, Christ died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they'll live for Christ, because he's all, right? He's he's everything. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. We're not putting them in boxes anymore. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person The old life has gone. A new life has begun. So, a spiritual friend loves us enough to help us embrace the life Christ has given us. And with a friend like that, we can be vulnerable, honest with ourselves, and honest with them as well. And so we teach you to admonish one another with the Word of Christ. Just watch what Jesus does. So, love is standing side by side as you look toward the same horizon, and honesty is the courage to confront blind spots in ourselves and each other in love. Love and honesty are now joined by the third element, and that is intimacy. We all know about intimacy, right? Intimacy describes a close connection with another person. So, intimacy can be deepened and experienced in many different arenas. I mean, it's uh, spiritual, emotional, physical, vocational, recreational. I mean, the list goes on. You can experience a deepened intimacy with people in any one of these things. But spiritual friends will put a focus on seeking to deepen spiritual intimacy. And we deepen spiritual intimacy when we begin to share our experience of God through all the different elements of life. In God's kingdom, Christ is all and is in all, and so he's the very center of everything about our lives. So, how have you been experiencing the presence of God, his loving, shepherding presence, in your struggle, in your pain, in your relational struggle, in your losses, in your grief, in your joys, in your hopes, in your despair? Because he's there. Christ is all. He's in all. We deepen that intimacy when we, when we share these things with a friend. And what we find out is those other areas that we share with him, they become all the more beautiful. It's amazing how the spiritual intimacy impacts all the others. So love is standing side by side as you look toward the same horizon. Honesty is the courage to confront blind spots in ourselves and each other in love. And intimacy is sharing our experience of God in all of life. The fourth element is mutuality, because to be a true friendship, it's got to go both ways, right? To be mutual, to be mutuality, is the two-way street. It's not a one-way street. It's not about the master sharing with the apprentice. It's about two pilgrims meeting up and walking for a distance, who knows how long the distance is, as they encourage each other toward their common destination in Christ. Now, it's important to note that mutuality does not mean equality. Uh, Jesus was a friend with his disciples, but they were not his equal. But Jesus did have a mutual relationship with them. I mean, you can, you, can, you can list it all out. If you look at the life in the Gospels, you can see different places where Jesus was all these different things with his disciples. But he was also mutual with them, and he, they gave him things he needed. Think about the Garden of Gethsemane. My soul is greatly troubled. Would you guys come with me? Peter, James, and John. I need your presence. I need your presence to be with me, to strengthen me in this time. I'm going to pray, but would you stay watch? I need to know you're staying watch because I need you. He is opening himself up. There's a mutuality thing going on there. It's powerful, and it's beautiful to see. So mutuality is a two-way commitment. Jesus showed them love. He displayed honesty. He experienced intimacy. He practiced mutuality. And he also did the final element that I want to bring up, accompaniment. Now, sometime last week I asked um, Travis what Lisa, his wife, does when uh, she accompanies a student. student, let's say, is a soloist. Lisa's on the piano. And Travis's answer hit the bullseye for me for what a spiritual uh, friend does when they accompany another person. You see, when we, when we, whether spiritually or musically, to accompany another, per, another person requires us to be empathetic. It requires empathy. We need to know what the other person needs in order to excel in their performance, and then we are willing to provide what that person needs. Serving a person in this way requires that we stay in a close, supportive contact role with them, as we subsume our desire. Under theirs and I think it's a mutual thing, so they're doing the same for us as we're doing this for them. Our job is to make the other person shine, to help them be a success, because this relationship is not about us, it's about them. Now, this is what's interesting about this, this accompaniment thing, okay? Listen to what goes on with this, because as in music, so too spiritually. We can, we can spiritually accompany another person and be their friend for a long or a short period. I mean, we can be there for their entire career, or we can be there for one song. You can be a spiritual friend to somebody on the flight to Denver. To be aware that we can push these relationships, even the ones we don't even know yet, closer to the formative side. This kind of relationship can also be built over long distances. And it can survive periods, long periods of separation. There are friends I have from seminary who I haven't seen in 15 years. We get back together... I mean, we are deep into it again, and we are encouraging one another. You know what I'm talking about. So, love is standing side by side as you look toward the same horizon. Honesty is the courage to confront blind spots in ourselves and in each other in love. Intimacy is sharing our experience of God and all of life. Mutuality is a two-way commitment, and accompaniment requires staying in close, supportive contact. Let me share the final, let me share these same five things again with a different set list that gives us a different perspective on it, okay? Spiritual friends commit to help each other journey toward their common destination in Christ. They remain honest with themselves and each other. They share their internal experience of God in all elements. They do this for one another, and they remain in close supportive contact, connecting with empathy whenever they get together. And let me give you one final list that you don't even need a slide for. This is so simple, you'll remember it before you walk out this door today. Um, those who have been here for a while remember a guy named Stan Ott. He was a pillar of this church in the 70s and 80s, and he talked about spiritual friendships, and he would give three things that our spiritual friends are to do whenever they get together. Word, share, prayer. Get together, talk about the Word. How does it interact with your life? How are you... Uh, bringing it to bear in your own day. Word, pr- uh, share. How are you? Uh, what's going on in, in your inner world? Share with me your experience of God. And prayer, pray with each other. Word, share, prayer. And that's what spiritual friends do with each other. Now, this kind of friendship is not something we have to add to what we are already doing. This kind of friendship is just taking the time to look at the friends that we already interact with and just intentionally... Push the friendship spectrum over toward the formative side a little bit more and see what kind of response you get. You can be a spiritual friend to anybody, but it may not be reciprocated. They may not come back to you. That's okay. But when when you're pushing it toward the formative side and somebody joins with you and they push back and they're open and vulnerable, you might have something there. Be open to that and see if the Lord would have you guys walk together for a season or two. What I just described, of course, is the ideal. It's in a perfect world, but we don't live in a perfect world. We live in a fallen world. And so that means, and this is just, this is kind of like the disclaimer, that really fast talking lawyer at the background, you know, Um, you know, here's, here's here's what, here's what reality is. Okay. Uh, uh, The disclaimer is these spiritual friends are going to hurt you. They're going to fail you. You're going to fail them and it's going to get messy. It's not going to feel right. It's going to be hard. When that happens, the good news is that God still uses our failures and still uses our messes to develop his life in us. So work with that person. Do what you can. See what God can do. This new life in Christ is not something we generate in ourselves. It's his gift. It's not something that we develop by following seven steps to some self-help scheme. It's not something we, we have to do simply about being intentional to apply who we already are. So, friends, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you are called to peace. And be thankful. Because you have a new life in Christ, let the word of Christ, this guy that's given you a new life, let his word dwell in your hearts richly. As you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, as you sing with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or in deed or in emotion or in thoughts, or whatever you do, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because He really is all and is in all. It's really He that He's at the center of it all, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Would you please pray with me? What I think about this uh, this message that you have given to me over these last weeks, and I'm just amazed, and I'm challenged, and I'm grateful, and I know so many people in our congregation are living out this spiritual friendship and looking for new friends along the way. For them, Lord, I pray that this would be an affirmation of what they are doing and a confirmation of your work in their lives. For those perhaps who have never heard this before or maybe have tried it and have been hurt by it, Lord, in your grace, would you allow this to be an invitation to try it again? Just to push a little bit that that scale over to the formative side of things. Because in the end, Lord, I just think about the body of Christ. This church called covenant. The bodies are all around Greater Lafayette, but right now, Lord, this body, this one that you've called us to, this thing called covenant. Are there such beauty and power here? What you want to do in your spirit? So help us see just how beautiful you are here and how beautiful you are in each other that we might receive from you the blessing you have to give. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.